Love me while you watch the time. If I fall down. Hello, welcome to Prince Trap by Track. I'm your host, Darren. And today we'll be talking about Silver Tongue uh, from Call My Name. Uh, this is, of course, the B side to Call My Name, which was. Uh, released as a digital single. Uh, so I don't know how this is a B-side, because I don't think there's ever any physical copies of the single of Call My Name. Uh, but here we are. Uh, recorded spring 2004 at Paisley Park and released on the 13th of July 2004. On the track, it is just Prince. Uh, the lyrics are by Nick Acosta, who appeared on Live at the Aladdin uh, in 2004, which uh, came out um, just a few months after this. Uh, the track is 4 minutes 56, and joining me to talk about today is Josh Hollis. Hello, Josh. Hello. Uh, now, as this is your final appearance on this podcast, uh, as I have been doing with all my guests, uh, I feel like, unfortunately, at this point, we have to uh, get around to the thing that I've been avoiding for, I don't know, 500 episodes, um, and talk a little bit about Prince's death. Um, you know, uh, do you recall uh, hearing about Prince's death? You know, how you found out a Prince, about Prince's death, and, you know your reaction to it vaguely um i was uh oh i actually looked i just looked up the date to confirm and and um that's a very interesting um it was in a- april 21st of 2016 i was in grad school uh at the time just about to uh finish up um i remember where i was because i I was having a meeting with uh, one of my professors because we were we were talking with a uh, we, we were having a group meeting because we had a project that we were working on and we had to meet with our professor and kind of go over like the particulars and while while they were chatting um, I happened to see I was browsing uh, not paying attention and browsing uh, Twitter. And saw all these things just like about um, about him passing away, and and it was it was pretty startling, and because it was right before I was like I remember it very clearly because it was right before I graduated, it was right before I moved. Um, I I was in school in Alabama, and I was moving to California in a month, and so it was like uh, I remember that time very well. But I remember specifically being there and saying like, oh. Prince died and and my professor being like wait what and it was a it was very shocking you know because like I I think obviously well before that point but Prince had had achieved that that status that a lot of musicians um, and and actors get to where they seem immortal like they they seem it, it, it seems like there's no way that they cannot be around. Um, I, I think probably you saw something similar when like George Michael passed away. Like, um, you know, it's just something, someone who's always there and then they're not. And you're just like, Oh, you know, wow. I, I, you know, didn't get to see them perform or I didn't get to, you know, ever meet that person or be around them, you know, ever. Like, I mean, I know that's kind of a weird thing to say about celebrities, but especially with musicians, like having the chance to see them perform, um, and so, yeah, I think he had achieved that status obviously well before his death, but it's still weird when you, when you find out like, oh yeah, they're, they have passed away and they're no more music, no more, you know, information about them coming out. Like they're just, they're not here. 
I mean, you know, I th- I think the the like the weirder thing was, you know, he was literally on a tour like the week before. Um, you know, he'd he'd his plane had been kind of um, grounded because he was ill. Uh, although I feel like some of that might have been, you know, what contributed to his death uh, rather than, you know, what was said at the time. Uh, and so he'd cancelled a, a gig and then rescheduled it for a few days later. And so he'd performed, you know, literally a few days before he died. Um, and I think that's kind of, like if if it's someone who, you know, hadn't performed in a while or hadn't been seen in public for a while or uh, I mean, George Michael was like the, the Christmas that year. Yeah. And that was like surprising. But there have been stories for like, you know, six or seven years before that um, where I don't know why, but George Michael kept driving into things. Um, and I'm not kidding you. Like if you just look up like George Michael car crash. There's like six or seven of those stories because it seemed like he kept regularly getting high and then going out and crashing a car. Oh, jeez. And yeah, and so obviously that's, you know, prime tabloid fodder. Um, so I don't know, like for me, I felt like George Michael was slightly less of a shock. I mean, still kind of shocking because, you know, it's not like he was old or anything. But, you know, George Michael hadn't put any music out in years. He hadn't toured in years. Like he, you know, he's mostly living kind of like with his um, with his boyfriend of the time. Um, who I think he'd been with her for a few years. And like I say, you know, the only stories I ever heard of him was him crashing cars. Whereas Prince had literally performed, you know, like 48 hours before his death. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, you know, and he'd, re- he'd released like, you know, two albums in 2014 and then, you know, another two in 2015. So it was like, you know, it felt like he was putting out more kind of stuff, you know, for the first time in about four years. And he was, you know, he was, produ- you know, putting out a lot of music and touring a lot. And it like it felt like, you know, it wasn't like it was the twilight of his career or anything. It's not like, he, you know, he'd retired and then kind of come back out in retirement or anything. It felt like he was very much, you know, as as active as he'd ever been. Yeah. Um, And then just kind of like, you know, to get the news. And I, I, I don't know, I'm sure this is like a common thread for most people. But yeah, I got my news through the Internet as well. Um, you know about this in particular there was a Facebook group where someone just basically posted Prince is dead and all the comments were like this can't be true this you know this doesn't make any sense like what's going on and then you know as the day went on then you know obviously it became more obvious that it was definitely true Um, but yeah it was kind of a a weird uh, you know a weird time and uh, this year it will be the Easter holiday (laughs) will be the anniversary um so i don't know it's it's just it's just it was a very weird time for me and i'm sure for a lot of people that year was just you know so many people uh it was kind of crazy starting off with like david bowie and alan rickman and then the yeah. rest of the year was just you know so many famous people it was it was like hard to, almost to keep track of how many of them you know and then finishing the year with like george michael it's i don't know it was like and then in the and then in november there i think democracy died insert a rim shot <laughs> Yes, <laughs> if I can find a rimshot sound, it will go there. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about something happier, which is, you know, Prince, a decade before that, um, you know, recording this song written by Nick Acosta. Now, um, I had the good fortune of seeing Nick Acosta live when she supported Beck in 2001. And uh, I remember, and I'm sure I said this on some of the uh, the Beck podcasts, and I've mentioned this a couple of times when Nick Acosta has come up, because, you know, there's been other tracks where she's been mentioned um after after seeing her live i you know i was there to see beck but i was after after seeing her i immediately on my phone just like typed her name in as like a i don't know like a text message to myself just to kind of remember who she was um and then literally the next day i went and bought her debut album and she also had like a single out so i bought that and there's a couple of b-sides on there um so i was like pretty much a big nick acosta fan like you know the first her first three albums i'll say at least 
Um, I haven't really listened to much stuff in the last kind of like decade. Um, but this is, you know, this is like a song that she did. She she just wrote the lyrics, sent them to Prince, and then left it to him to kind of interpret, you know, how he would sing them. Uh, and then I think like a year later, she released her own album uh, where she did, you know, the pretty much used Prince's piano arrangement, um, but then kind of, you know, sang it in a slightly different way. Um, her, uh, her dad was actually a producer and uh, produced a few um of frank sinatra's albums uh so the album that this is on of hers is called uh, nicker nicker and strings i think it is and um you know he produced the frank sinatra album frank and strings so it's kind of like a little tribute to her uh, her dad that's interesting um, that you say that though because like that is the vibe that i get from this song like this very sort of old croonery kind of thing um yeah and it reminded me uh it it reminded me a lot of I don't I don't know if you're familiar with his his early albums, but like Tom Waits's first two albums, uh, Closing Time and Heart of Saturday Night, I think from seventy three seventy four, like this song could have been on one of those albums. Like it feels like that because everybody knows Tom Waits today is this very gravelly voiced. Um, guy who's doing some weird things with Americana music and experimenting and playing weird instruments and, you know, all this stuff. But then, like, you go back to his first albums and he's just this bluesy piano player, like, telling stories and talking about lost loves and sad times. And this song absolutely could have been on one of those albums. Yeah. I, well, it's it's weird because it's just like, you know, yeah, she is kind of like going for this kind of crooner thing, um, which I don't know that Prince Prince really kind of does the crooner thing. Uh, but, you know, it like I don't know. I also I mean, I don't know how successful Nicker is at doing it as well. Um, I'd say maybe hers is a bit more um, kind of like loungy than Prince's version. Yeah, hers is a little more jazzy. Which, which you know, is naturally her background. Um, you know, her dad was Don Costa, who was, you know, like the, an arranger and conductor uh, for a number of years. Uh, you know, that's kind of how she got into the, the, the music business. Um, she, she actually, I think she actually did like an album when she was uh, like nine or ten. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird because Bjork kind of did the same thing. Bjork like recorded an album when she was like seven <laughs> she was like a, you know, a national sensation in Iceland. Weirdly enough, I listened to the, like, I listened to the Nika Costa version on YouTube yeah. and then it rotated over into her 1981 debut album and she's like 11 years old or something. And it was, the, it was yeah. the strangest like switch in tone this like kid singing this sort of bubblegummy kind of poppy song i mean it wasn't terrible it was actually a pretty good song but it was just a very strange like switch i mean i love her voice like when i saw her live i was like blown away i was like this is you know seeing her live it's kind of amazing and then the fact that she ended up like doing stuff for prince later on it was just kind of this weird coincidence um you know and those those like first couple of albums that she did like re like there's great stuff on there like you know like i would highly recommend them to anybody um but yeah like her version is definitely you know it's clearly meant to be like a tribute to the stuff that her dad would arrange uh whereas the prince version is just kind of you know it's prince isn't it <laughs> like um he can't help but kind of assert himself um um so yeah i i i don't know to me uh i don't know i i think the lyrics themselves because obviously you know they're not prince they're they're nicker um and so it's like this this whole thing of um uh i don't know 
it, like you say, it, it's deliberately like the way the rhymes are done. It's deliberately done to kind of be very loungy. Uh, I think there's some interesting kind of things where it's like, you know, uh, from a swan dive to a belly flop, the shallow waters that flood your heart, like stuff like that. I don't think Prince would ever write a lyric that way. Um, and so it's it's kind of interesting that, you know, that Prince is singing. The, I mean, the fact that Prince is singing someone else's lyrics is kind of remarkable in itself. Um, but like the way that he interprets certain phrases is, is a lot different to the way that she does. Um, but I don't know. I like the I like the turns of phrase that that Nick Acosta puts in here. Like you know, uh, you'll drop me like a useless dime, which is, you know, if I falter or lose my rhyme. Like I, I, I don't know. I just I kind of I kind of like this. Uh, there's a there's a certain sense of um, um, I don't know. Like uh, I don't know how to put it. Like there's a kind of vulnerability in the song that I don't. You know, Prince very rarely shows vulnerability. So. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, an earlier episode that I was on. Uh, you know, we talked about the bourgeoisie, and he's talking about how he's the greatest soul you've ever seen. And you know, now here he's he's got this vulnerability to him that doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily jibe, but I mean, again, because it's someone else's lyrics. But yeah, I I actually like the lyrics a lot. That's like reading the lyrics as I was listening to the song is what put me in the the headspace of very old Tom Waits stuff because I was like, oh, these sound like things that he would say. Like these sound like lines that that he would have written on those two those two albums. Um, I I do like I do like the song a lot. I I don't know if. Prince's voice is necessarily right for the kind of song that it's trying to be. Like it is trying to be that kind of like Frank Sinatra style, like lounge song. And I don't think Prince, like I think Prince's voice is almost too good for that. Um, you know, like famously a lot of the crooners would like sing in kind of like, uh, you know, low voices because, you know, that was where their range was and that was kind of all their voice was capable of doing. Yeah. And, you know, for someone like a Tony Bennett, you know they've they've turned that into you know they've made that the feature rather than a bug so whereas with prince his voice is so kind of um you know expansive it doesn't really fit the kind of um you know the low key vibe of it um you know although i do like the way he delivers the kind of i guess you could call it the title line but it's not the title of the song where he says you know the song and dance that hides your gun from those who buy the silver from your tongue um, which is, you know, it's a wonderful, that's a wonderful turn of phrase, you know, taking the idea of someone being silver tongued and the fact that someone's going to, you know, steal that from their tongue. And obviously it's not literal silver, but like the ability, you know, maybe to talk yourself out of certain situations or to yeah. talk yourself into situations. And it's just like the kind of idea that maybe someone will be able to undercut that and take that away from you. And, uh, you know, I don't know that like the kind of, that being expressed by Nick Acosta, it feel it feels like it's you know that there's an insecurity. Whereas with Prince, he's too confident for it to be an insecurity. So it's it doesn't it doesn't quite sell it as well as as you know Nick Acosta's kind of fragility does. Um, whereas with Prince, I don't know. You kind of always feel that if he is silver tongued, no one's going to get anywhere near him and take that silver. Like it's you know he's he's kind of almost a little too confident for the for the vibe of the song. Um, but I don't know. There's some nice falsetto stuff from him. Um, which I, I guess is where he kind of takes it in terms of trying to, um, you know, trying to sell it. But I, I don't know. I, just falsetto doesn't really fit with. Like, I can't imagine like Sammy Davis Jr. or Frank Sinatra um, attempting falsetto. And I, I think that's maybe that's maybe why I don't know. I, I'm not 100 percent sold on the Prince version. Uh, but then Nick Acosta's voice, she oh, she obviously knows what she was, you know, when she was writing it, what she aimed to deliver. Um, and I think Prince's like piano arrangement works really well with it. 
obviously he knew the type of song that it was trying to be, uh, but he just doesn't quite sell it in the way that I think uh, really works with the genre. Um, so I don't know. I would say for me, probably a three out of five for the Prince version, but maybe a four out of five for the Nick Acosta version. I, I think that uh, is right where I am too. I would say, yeah, for sure. His arrangement's really good. I think the, I think the lyrics are nice and, and I just think his voice is not quite right for the, the vibe the song is going for. So I would say, yeah, three out of five for him. And then Nika Costa, yeah, four out of five for her version. And also it's worth saying as well, her version is like 30 seconds shorter than Prince's version. Um, and I think that's because like he gives like a, a slightly longer intro, um, whereas she kind of like, she gets to the first kind of, you know, stanza of the song a little bit quicker than Prince does, um, you know, which I think maybe is also a little bit like, you know, I think I think pushing five minutes is a little bit too long, whereas just over four minutes, I think it's just about the right length uh, for this particular song. Um, Prince never performed this on tour. I think Nick Acosta has performed this, you know, several times, um, you know, when she's been on tour. But, you know, obviously Prince didn't kind of go back to this, uh, which is kind of understandable because his next tour was like uh, musicology and he was very much about promoting that album. Um, you know, he he wasn't going to be performing kind of like uh, obscure b-sides on, on that particular occasion so uh, it kind of makes sense that he didn't pre- kind of perform it on that tour and then after that you know he kind of moved on from his early 2000s stuff pretty quick um so yeah i feel like we said about as much as we possibly can about silver tongue so let's go to plugs is there anything you wish to plug josh uh absolutely i am the co-host of a program called predicto cast we watch the first 10 minutes of movies we know nothing about and then try to predict what happens next we have a lot of fun over there so find us wherever you listen to podcasts or at predictocast.com and you can find us on facebook at prince track by track or on twitter for prince podcast or you can email me not sure why you would at prince track by track at gmail.com thanks once more for being my guest here josh on this and all the previous episodes thank you very much for having me it was a lot of fun and otherwise goodbye see ya Tongue